the big brain behind Yahoo Sports. Check out the big brain on bread. Rivals.com. <laughs> Why are you laughing over there? Welcome to the Trojansports.com podcast with Blair Aguo, Chris Watson, and Adam J. Maya. The, the Trojansports.com podcast. It's fun. Isn't football fun? <laughs> it's fun, Blair. That kicks off. Thank you for the landing. Right, right now. now. Right now. Welcome back to the Trojansports.com podcast. I am Blair Angulo. He's Adam J. Maya. The J is for Jorge, right? I got that right. Yeah, that's perfect. Not Juanito. That's I thought it was Juanito for the longest time. No, you don't. <laughs> How was your week, Adam? Good. I uh, saw a beautiful movie called Whiplash starring Blair Angulo. I mean, Miles Teller. <laughs> Have you seen it? No. No, I don't. I, you don't I'm watch a, your own movies. I'm a reporter, so I have a lot of, you know, busyness in my right. life. You I, don't. Well, the thing is, every time I step into a movie theater. Is that weird when you see yourself, like, in the movie? No, I've never seen. I'm not in a movie. Uh, it's weird because whenever I go into a movie theater, it seems like a recruit decides to commit. And and I'm in there. and, and Trying to enjoy your movie. Right, and then I'm getting, you know. Text are you, messages. Are you accurate? I'm getting text messages, <laughs> and um, you know it, it, it happens. But uh, yeah, anything else happened uh, this week that uh, was noteworthy for you? I think I got vertigo. Did you? I don't know. Is that because you went to the USC baseball game? <laughs> I had a good you, time at the game. Yeah, I know you had a live thread up on TrojanSports.com on the message board, and right. you tweeted it out that you were at the game. Right, and I called you a bandwagon. Right, and I called you Miles Keller. Because you said I was salty. <laughs> no, because you look like him. Uh, no, I don't. You Maybe in some on. angles. Cer- certain angles, maybe. A- angles? Do a Google search, yeah. first of all. Do a Google search. You found Google. Good. Yeah, do a Google search. Go to images, and I do not look like Miles Keller. I want everyone on here to look up Blair and Google. Look at, him. Look at his Twitter. His photo on Twitter is good enough. It'll suffice. And then... Look up Miles Keller. My photo on Twitter is me playing baseball at Dodger Stadium with a very small face. Oh, and I'm thinking of your your profile picture on your articles. Oh, okay. That one. Okay. 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 Can you change it? Yeah. Well, I had a very eventful week as well. Uh, I don't don't care. As you know. No one asked. Well, this is relevant to USC. This is why why I'm bringing this up. Uh, As you know, I'm... I'm engaged for about ten months now, and we went. <laughs> You've been engaged longer than I've been married. Yeah, and we and we've got a wedding coming up in about ten yeah, months. About another, yeah, another year. So it, you know, it's gonna it's it's a long time from now. But anyway, we went out to uh, South Orange County uh-huh. to look for a DJ, and we had a meeting with a DJ, and we're sitting in that conference room, and uh, I see a familiar face up on the wall, which it has it has some photos of previous weddings that mm. this DJ has done right um and and guess whose face i see up on the wall none other than mm. matt barkley mm. so this dj that we spoke to did matt barkley's wedding as well Down in orange county probably right so you could totally guess this but we booked that guy right away uh, for our wedding, so you know, if am you, I invited? If, I, that's all I really want to know. Uh, the guest list, man. The guest list right now is getting a little sketchy. We, <laughs> yeah. So we'll we'll discuss this off the air. I don't think we need to be doing this, but anyway, a big week for for USC with spring practice and pro day. Uh, let's kind of re recap everything and look ahead a little bit. Um, Adoree Jackson. Yeah, he looked me in the eye. Yeah, Adoree. I'm, J- I'm not kidding about this one. He. 
you you were you weren't kidding about the last one either. I know, but so he looked you in the eye. Yeah. Kind of like kind of like George Farmer did last last December. Yeah. Uh, were there were there any other reporters within uh, hearing distance? There were a couple. That yeah okay did they attribute their quote to uh, to themselves this time or no no all right well anyway that's that's for another time I guess <laughs> Dory Jackson tells you looks you in the eye yeah. and says what. He told me that he wants to win the Heisman and the Thorpe Award. And what I found most interesting about that was that I didn't mention either one of them. I had asked him if he was practicing with the mentality that he was a full-time defensive player trying to earn more reps and more uh, involvement in the offense. And he tells me, yeah, I got to be versatile and I want to do this and I want to do that because I'm trying to win the Heisman and the Thorpe. It kind of just came out of nowhere, and he went on and on about about wanting to win that award. Okay, uh, Sue Cravens last fall told me personally he, he did. didn't tell anyone else yeah. that he wanted to win the Thorpe. Right. Obviously, his, his position on the defense has changed a little bit, uh, so you know it, it's not, I guess, a possibility. Yeah. What, how possible do you think that a Dory can win those two awards? Maybe not this fall, but but in in the near future. I think he can win both. I think that, okay, go back to the, the Holiday Bowl in Nebraska where he returned to kickoff. He had a 70-yard touchdown catch, played pretty good defense. He would probably need about four or five of, ga- uh, of those games in a season to win the Heisman. Only half of them? I, I would think maybe more. Yeah. More no, than well, I mean. I think more than half. What, nine games where he catches a touchdown and returns a kickoff? No, no. Oh. In terms of just having productiveness because he's going to be doing it both Oh, times. no, he'll be productive every game. And that's the thing. He, he's already going to be a great cornerback. He already is, but he has to get picks. He's going to need interceptions. If you look at the, the side-by-side comparison between his freshman year and Charles Woodson's Heisman year, the numbers are nearly identical. I could not believe it. USC has a graphic up uh, in one of their handouts where they show both of them and in terms of their offensive production and their returning production, they're about equal. The big difference, Woodson had eight picks. And Adoree had none. Right. He had probably like eight close calls. He had also, I, I think Adoree does a great job of deflecting the ball. Right. Because he doesn't get beat because he doesn't try to go for the interception. So maybe it's a good and bad thing at the same time. Obviously, the ball isn't changing hands. And he's not going up for for interceptions, so he doesn't get beat trying yeah. to be aggressive. He kind of makes the smart play, yeah. knocks the ball away. I, I feel like, he, like you said, he had various chances to go up and, and really make a play. And, and, you know, that'll come with experience. I think he'll do that this fall and probably get a few interceptions. I'm not sure if, like you mentioned, he has to you know, maybe have four or five of, of the Nebraska games this coming season. Right. I'm not sure he's going to have five punt return touchdowns or kick return touchdowns yeah. on special teams. Uh, but he's going to have to make up for that on, on the defensive side, I think. Well, speaking of which, he said I want to return punts, and I'm ready to do it right now. They he is. He, they was re- he was ready last year. Sure. They haven't practiced it um, so far in spring camp, so I don't know what his role will be with punt returns. I expect that he'll keep returning kicks, but... I mean, who else? Who else I mean, Nelson was the guy last year. Who else would be a candidate for punt returns? I, it depends on whether they want a guy to just kind of be a safety guy and, you know, field it cleanly. I could see Darius Rogers doing it. Um, 
but or do they want like a you know a big playmaker back there? Yes. Then that's what we want. Maybe it'd be a Dory. Yeah, I hope it's a Dory. I mean, anytime he has the ball in his hands, could be the most exciting. You know, six seven seconds of the football game. Well, USC went and wrote that he was the most exciting player in in college football. They wrote that in the packet, which I found funny because. I raised that question to Dory after the Nebraska game on the field and, you know, wrote a story about that, about, you know, his wanting to emulate Reggie Bush, who, you know, carried that title by his sophomore year. And so um, USC's going to run with it. I think they're going to market him that way. But I don't know. We still don't know how much offense he'll play. We don't know if he, if he will be returning punts. In terms of winning the Heisman, I want to talk a little bit more about this. I think the challenge for him is that Cody, qui- that Cody Kessler is going to win the Heisman. <laughs> well, if they went eleven and one, I think that and Cody repeated the numbers that he had, then he would he'll be in New York and he'd be right up there. But the climate has changed dramatically from when Charles Woodson won it. You don't see people like Woodson, like before him, um, Desmond Howard, Tim Brown, uh, and Tim Brown didn't play defense, but and neither did Howard. But they were like that guy, that electrifying player that just did a little bit of everything and, you know, the most explosive player in the country, that player doesn't win it anymore. It's the quarterback, and if not, then the, run, the, the best running back. Yeah. You don't, you don't think Marcus Mariota or Jameis Winston or Johnny Manziel were explosive and electric? Uh, yeah, I mean, sure. More, more so you see that with Mariota and, and Manziel. But they, they were the quarterback, you know? I mean, same with Kim right. Tebow. Um it's gonna go, I mean, Larry Fitzgerald couldn't win it. You know, he, he finished second, but he couldn't win it. Um, I mean, it's just hard for a guy who's not playing quarterback, who doesn't have the ball in his hands constantly. Adore might have, what, 35 catches, maybe four or five picks, and be a returner. I don't know if that's enough. That's why he needs to return punts. Uh, on the safety side, for the position, there's there's a couple guys, Chris Hawkins and, and, and Jonathan Lockett, surprisingly for me, uh, have been getting looks at safety in spring practice. Yeah, we've seen more Hawkins than Lockett, but we have seen both of them. Basically, I mean, after talking to defensive backs coach Keith Hayward, they're not rolling with anybody definitively until they see the incoming freshman. Yeah, Marvell Tell and Akili Ross. Right, and I would say Biggie Marshall. But... Um, they're not committing to anyone right now. Don't tell Biggie Marshall that. <laughs> yeah, I know. Please don't tell him. I'm, they're they're going to tell him for don't me. Tell. I'm not going to tell him. They're going to tell him. Well, it was interesting because I know coaches do those videos on National Signing Day, and they talk about that player. And it was very interesting the way Keith Hayward was wording his description of, of, of Biggie Marshall's game. So I'll let the fans kind of look for that and, and, and listen to it closely. Well... Hayward said that the competition will be open until the opening game, but they love Plattenberg. They're going to use Plattenberg. They like that Plattenberg is naturally a corner, and so you know he's versatile. They want to use. They want to be more in man coverage. They want to put their safeties in a lot of coverage, and Plattenberg can do that. And of course, Lockett and Hawkins have that background as well. Um, I thought Hawkins looked pretty good. Um, he's an able tackler. Um, you know, he, he plays, I guess, bigger than his body would suggest. And the first thing that anybody will tell you about him is that he's very smart. He's also very, very confident. 
What do you think about Lockett playing there? I know you've seen him quite a bit in high school. Could he play safety? Yeah, I think he would be a guy that, with his body type, would be more of a run support guy. Okay. But I'm not sure if he's physical enough to be able to come to the line of scrimmage and make tackles. Uh, I know that he's very good downfield, doesn't get beat uh, you know, often, um, and that's obviously a plus for, for a safety. Um, his recognition and his, I guess his ability to already recognize what to do on defense, the fact that he played as a true freshman, uh, shows that he's ready mentally to kind of take, those, uh, th- take that step. Um, but at safety, it's uh, I'm not sure. It's it's a little iffy. I, I understand why they're giving him some looks there, give him more reps, you know, help him improve this spring and and have another guy there in the secondary. Um, but when, like I said, when you have a guy like Marvell Tell coming in, Akili Ross even, uh, who could you know be a guy that could play receiver and safety, uh, I'm not sure Lockett is the answer. Well, they would love for Leon McQuay to be the answer, but very up and down, unfortunately. And yeah, he's hit or miss. I mean, we saw him at the UCLA game. He was, I mean, th- I I'm not sure what was going on. I, that might be the worst perform, like single. Oh, okay, game we don't have to go there. But it was bad. Yeah, it was bad. And then, and then he bounced back in Nebraska, and he looked like the five-star safety that he was coming out of high yeah. school. Well, he played the fourth quarter. Plattenberg had gotten bang up, and McQuay came in and made a couple big tackles, um, but. So far in spring camp, we've seen both. We've seen both sides of that coin. And Hayward said, I can't, I can't put you out there if I don't know what I'm going to get. You know? And he, he just feels like he's too much of a wild card right now. So he's not really getting a lot of reps. And that's not a good sign. I mean, safety is an important position. And they don't feel good about it. Yeah, speaking of wild cards and uh, important <laughs> positions, tight end. You're going, yep. Tight end. It took us what uh, ten, twelve minutes to, to even mention Bryce Dixon's name. Uh, but what can you tell us about Connor Spears? Well, he's a transfer from Columbia, and he walked on the team. He didn't play last year because he transferred, and he's six six, two fifty. We asked Sark about him the other day, and he thinks that you know he's just fast enough and just physical enough and pretty good length. I mean, again, 6'6", 250, can catch the ball. But he's getting almost all of the first team reps, which we haven't quite understood. But we spoke to somebody in the program over the weekend, and they told us that you know they're not confident that Jalen Cope Fitzpatrick will be eligible. Wow. So... They have to, you know, prepare for for that, and they're giving uh, Connor a lot of run. But it, it's not a good look right now at tight end. They use their tight end on every play. Yeah. So they they so want their tight end to count. They want their tight end to be a weapon and a target, and to be even the decoy. And it, I mean, it, it's just nothing really will be resolved until the fall, until they get those freshmen in there and they can look at them. Yeah, I mean. In the meanwhile, though, if we can kind of make projections with JCF, you know, being, I guess, up in the air, like you mentioned, and Bryce Dixon being up in the air, do, do does the coaching staff now make make uh, some adjustments to their scheme? You know, maybe not implementing a tight end as much as they do, because if you don't have the bodies and if you don't have the, the capable guys, then it, it really affects what you're able to do. Right. Well, ideally, then you would kind of turn to a fullback. And they have two of them. They have Jaleel Pinner and they have Soma Vanuku. 
Um, but they're they're using them to help out at running back because they only have Justin Davis at running back with Trey Madden not really able to do contact right now. So the numbers still matter, you know. I I know it's kind of old for a lot of us to talk about and to fall back on, but it still matters right now. And because they don't have depth at running back, they don't have depth at tight end, they can't really use the fullbacks to their full potential, I guess, and, and work on the offense that way. I think Sark's pretty committed to having a tight end on the field. Adam, we're two weeks now into spring practice. Uh, I think it's enough time for us to, to make some, I guess, assessments uh, on some of these newcomers. I, I think Cameron Smith, the, the inside linebacker from Northern California, you mentioned him as a guy that stood out already through two weeks. What can you tell us about what you've seen from him and, and what you expect to see out of him this fall? Cameron's picked it up very quickly. He looks like some of the freshmen that arrived last fall who, you know, within a couple of weeks, you could tell, like, okay, they're going to, they're usable. You're, they're going to play them this year. Um, I think Cam Smith is kind of playing his way out of a red shirt, potentially. Uh, that position is open right now because Anthony Sorrow is out for spring, although, you know, they expect him back. But uh, Lamar Dawson is very good, too, inside linebacker. And then you have Cam Smith and Michael Hutchings. Cam is looking even better than Michael Hutchings. Has a couple interceptions already. The one knock on him is that he's kind of slow. And, uh, again, it's very early. He's been there for two weeks. I'm not trying to to come down on him. But they're going to have to work on that part of his game. Yeah, and that was one thing that he – I think he realized after his junior year – that he might not be as fast as he needs to be defending some of these Pac-12 offenses. So what he did was he was coming down to Southern California and training with a 7-on-7 coach every weekend. I mean, that's that takes a toll on your body. Every weekend he was coming down, working on his footwork, doing the 7-on-7 stuff. When he, when he, you know, he admitted that his game is more of a physical game in between yeah. the tackles, uh, making tackle, you know, making tackles, hitting guys, uh, but he was out here covering tight ends, covering receivers, covering running backs, trying to improve his quickness. And and uh, you know, if he can do that, like you said, uh, keep progressing this spring, do that through the summer, heading into the fall. Um, you know, he is a guy that definitely could play, and that's why he was on the fast track to graduate and get on campus as, as quickly as he did. Yeah, he he's not just like this raw linebacker that. You know, you give him a direction, he goes, he's very instinctive, and we've seen that. We've seen him pick up the playbook pretty quickly, but again, with coverage, they they want their linebackers to be able to cover, and that, I think that was a weakness a year ago, and I feel like that would kind of make or break how much he'll be able to play, how, how quick he can get, and whether he can cover. Yeah, yeah, okay, so let's, let's uh, I guess, change it up a little bit here. Pro day. Uh, it's a it's a it happened it's an event it's an event every year at USC the latest uh, obviously had guys like Leonard Williams who's projected by many as a top three maybe the top overall pick in, in the upcoming NFL draft Leonard took my advice and he barely did anything yeah okay well I'm glad you got got through to him on that uh, but there was two guys that we were very very interested in George Farmer and Josh Shaw what did you see out of them, and, and what did you think of, of what they did there at Pro Day at USC? Farmer flew. He maybe... Which we, th- which we knew he was going to. Yeah, and 
I don't, I don't know. I don't know if he like earned himself a, a spot in the draft. Uh, maybe. I, my guess would be yeah that he would get drafted near the end, maybe in the seventh round. But he ran a four three five forty. That was you know the main event. I feel electronically like. timed. Electronically timed. I think he ran two of them, and so. Um, Good for him. You know, I feel like people have really come down on him for, for leaving, for walking away from this team, and, you know, from potentially having a big impact in 2015 for the Trojans. But, um, I mean, this is his livelihood. You know, and if he got injured again, then he might be done. And so I'm, I'm happy for him that he ran well. Um, the other main event, if you will, was... Josh Shaw the main card. <laughs> talking, and he did. He, he spoke. spoke. He spoke. Yeah, but did he say anything? I guess he took accountability for for everything that well, he, he did wrong. He did that with his statement that he, that he released, or that the team released, or whatever happened during the season. No, I mean he he actually said it. He actually um, spoke to the media and and you know said that this is all my fault, and you know I'm very sorry for what I did, and I mean. I, I guess it's cool. The one question that I wish would have been asked, and I, I wasn't there with him, but uh, and I, I would have asked him. But why did you, why did you duck us for so long? Why did you not talk to us? I feel like that's being accountable, you know, facing the, the music after the fact. Well, he's accountable. Yeah, he's in the account- moment. Yeah, he's accountable I mean, when it's convenient. It's convenient now. Yeah. Now that you have like NFL scouts around, well, that's the thing. It's it, it, this could have all gone away a long time ago. Yeah, and I think people would have forgot about it, and and even for you know forgiven him. Uh, I think now it's something that's going to hang over him forever. I mean, it's it's one of those things that is not going to be forgotten. Just the way it, it was all handled. Yeah, it, it's weird. It's weird when there's an elephant in the room every time you're you're next to that person. And I felt like he kept that elephant in the room for a long time, and it's still probably there. I mean, he's still got to go through these interviews with with NFL, with NFL teams, and they're going to probe him. And you know, I guess there's still more to be told regarding all that. Yeah, and they're always going to wonder why, like you mentioned, that he wasn't accountable from the start. Yeah, why did you lie? He didn't really get into that, you know. But why did why did you lie about it initially? And well, I mean, it, it, that that one's that's an obvious answer. He didn't want to jeopardize his spot on the team and and all that sort of stuff. So, uh, it it you know it all it all adds up, and it is what it is at this point. But uh, what do you think his status is heading into the NFL draft? Where where do you project him going? He's pretty important because he plays corner. He can play safety. Physically, he's looked really, really good. He also, uh, you know, performed at Pro Day, and I think he had 19 benches. At the Which is good. 225, Which yeah. Which is good. Was it 19? Was it him? Was that him or Farmer? I don't know. Um, but I know that he performed well, and he's, he performed well at the Combine. He will go mm, in the fourth or fifth. Now, I mean, he probably would have gone in the second round with you know none of his baggage but even then i think yeah if he played a full season and all that yeah but he'll, he'll go he'll go in the middle of the draft okay all right what about what about your bumper sticker award I, and i think i always try to project in my mind and, and try to guess where you're going but we'll see if i'm right on this one i i want you to guess first i'm not gonna no, change it. it are you no okay i think you're going with will ferrell will ferrell you're not going with will ferrell wow Oh my You're gosh. a joke. Your bumper sticker is a joke. Oh, 
Did you see what he did? He suited up for 10 different major league teams. He played in five Cactus League's game, Cactus League games last week. Mm-hmm. And it's all raising awareness for Stand Up to Cancer. Right. It was an HBO special. And you're not giving him the bumper sticker award? Former USC great Will Ferrell played for your San Francisco Giants behind the plate and you're not giving him the bumper sticker award and then he played for the guys he showed up he showed he showed up can he play for the guys he showed up to the Seattle Mariners uh or he no he practiced with the Oakland A's to Mm -hmm. start and he showed up in a full USC tracksuit and you did not give him the bumper sticker award and I am very I'm heated right now this is ridiculous yeah all right so who's it going to sulky who's it going to I'm I'm gonna go with George Farmer for running a four three five, which about maybe fifteen people we in the knew, world can we do. We knew that. he was fast. About we knew he was fast, but did you know that Will Ferrell could throw from center field and hit his cutoff man? Did you know that? <laughs> did you know that? Did you know that he was a great third base coach for the Chicago Cubs? Wasn't. Wow. All right. Well, anyway, so we'll be back because I'm very disappointed. We're going to talk USC recruiting with none other than Chris P. Swanson. Keep it right here at Trojansports.com. Hey, it's the QB Sean Salisbury, and you're listening to the Trojan Sports Podcast right here on the home for everything USC. Everything USC. Trojansports.com. You're listening to the Trojan Sports Podcast on Trojansports.com. Powered by our rivals. 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 We are back. I've cooled off a little bit. We're back on the show. Yeah, you've been humiliated off the air. How? We asked you right now if you can name one Bob Dylan song, and you said, I listen to good music. Okay, yeah, so? You're done. (laughs) All right, well, at least I, I... pick the right winner for the bumper sticker award uh we're joined by chris p swanson on the phone chris uh another busy busy usc week in terms of recruiting uh what are you making uh, of uh, about all these offers what do you what do you make of everything and all the activity that's been going on i think the staff's being really aggressive um it's kind of a different direction than we saw the last two staffs pete caroline kip and the, the approach they so to this stuff's getting out there. They're trying to recruit these kids a little bit earlier, uh, it seems like, which I think is a good strategy. You know, USD has traditionally waited to offer kids, and, and sometimes the recruits, you know, hold it against them is that they're not, you know, getting out there and really taking an interest in the in the California kids. And it seems like they're doing that now, you know, 2017, 2018 kids even, uh, picking up some scholarship offers. I, I, I think it's the smart approach. I think yeah. that's the way recruiting is going now. Yeah, and the the biggest name that got an offer last week, Keyshawn Johnson Jr. Uh, we saw him Saturday in Fullerton at a seven on seven event. What do you make of that offer? Do you do you agree with it? Do you agree with the timing? Uh, obviously, with his father having USC ties. Yeah, I, I do. I think that uh, I do agree with that. I think Keyshawn Johnson Jr. can play a couple of different spots. You know, as a wide receiver, you know, he could be in the slot. Yeah, I think he could also someday be an, uh, an outside guy as well. Maybe um, USC's offense kind of looking to use you know three receiver sets a lot, so I think he could fit into a system like that. I think uh, you know he's a pretty good player. Uh, he shows some explosiveness out there on the field, some good hands. Um, and he has an impressive list of scholarship offers, things with you know Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State. 
when those kinds of programs start offering a kid in your backyard, it's never a bad thing to, you know, show a little early interest and give him that scholarship offer, you know, early when he's in the 2017 class, especially since, you know, USC doesn't have to take him just because they've offered it. So we'll see what happens there. I think right now it's the smart thing to do. Yeah, Keyshawn Johnson Jr. was part of a, a group. Uh, team 19 is the 7-on-7 team that Keyshawn Johnson, his father, runs. They they went on a tour of some schools in Texas, Oklahoma, Texas A&M, Nebraska, uh, and, and they came back. And I, I like the offer as well. Um, I'm not sure we're seeing a finished product with Keyshawn Johnson Jr. as a 2017 recruit. Uh, he shows tremendous upside. I, I think he's obviously has his father's trait in terms of being kind of a little bit big, uh, and and can be uh, you know versatile in certain spots uh, in the offense. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see what goes moving, what, what happens moving forward because he has a top twelve right now of Clemson, Ohio State, Arizona State, Arizona, USC, UCLA, Nebraska, Ole Miss, Tennessee, Alabama, Miami, and Texas. Sorry for going off a little, a little quickly there, but uh, those are his top 12, so he has a long way to go, but obviously you have to think that the Trojans are going are to sit in a, in a good spot for him for a long time. Uh, USC also offered a 2018 running back from nearby West Hill Chaminade and TJ Pledger. What can you tell us about him, Chris? Yeah, uh, I, I think he's a, he's a solid prospect. He already had a scholarship offer from Washington, you know, which is a, a school that usually you know, evaluate some of the Southern California kids and, and find, you know, the diamonds and the top prospects early on. So I think that's a, it's an impressive offer to have. And, and USC came through, you know, after he uh, he visited for spring practice. And, you know, I, it's really early, obviously. It's 2018, hard to really judge the kid. But it seems like he's one of the top options in that class. USC might need to load up their backfield in the future. So right now, it seems like a smart offer as well. Yeah, and he's only a freshman right now. I mean, he's technically still a freshman heading into his sophomore year. He rushed for over 800 yards and 11 touchdowns uh, as a freshman last season. So obviously, he's putting up the numbers early on, and, and I think it's all based on projection. So um, what do you make of it, Adam? I mean, getting getting an offer out like this to, to a local recruit who you can kind of wait for. You know, you can wait for a local prospect. I mean, Keyshawn Johnson just got an offer, and, and for them to go out after a 2018, what do you think it kind of says? Well, with 2018, you can offer anybody that by the time they get here, who will still be on the team? You know, only this class coming in right now will really be on the team and kind of active. So I think that, like we said, when a, when a guy stands out like that much as a freshman, you're still going to watch him for the next three years. I don't know. I, I don't think it's a huge deal. Yeah, and one, yeah, one thing that, that I think they can use to their advantage is the fact that you're you're offering a recruit and it's all based on projection at that point you know if yeah. he doesn't pan out then you know it's not a committable offer i guess uh and at the same time uh, a recruit from let's say the 2018 class looks at the depth chart and says oh well no one's really going to be there and i'm the only running back that they've offered so i'm clearly the priority and it kind of give you know it puts you in a good spot and, and kind of you know makes you a leader at some uh, at, to an extent going into his you know sophomore season still so um, you know, if they like him enough, obviously you know, it makes sense to offer a kid. Uh, a guy that already has a USC offer, his name's Darnay Holmes. He's a cousin of former USC commit Deshaun Holmes, who ended up uh, not signing with the Trojans, obviously. Um, and, you know, Chris, we saw him uh, on Saturday there in Fullerton. He plays on Keyshawn Johnson's uh, 
seven-on-seven seven team as well. What do you think of Darnay Holmes? He's he's already a five-star prospect in the 2017 class. Yeah, I, he's he's really good. I mean, uh, so early, too. You know, he's 2017 as well. Um, five-star guy, rivals already rated him. Very justified, um, you know, great size for for you know some positions he plays, I think he can move around a little bit too. Um, he's going to be one to watch because I feel like he's a you know usually you think these local prospects at USC, UCLA. He seems like he's open to some out of state schools as well. He loves Nebraska. I know there's some kind of a family connection there with the coach that uh, you know used to coach some of his family members. So it'll be interesting to watch uh, what he does in the near future. But I think he, he's the kind of guy that. The USC must be looking at him as a, as a must get kind of kid. You spoke to him there on, on Saturday. What what do you think? And if you had to project right now, where do you think USC kind of falls in his long list of schools? Oh, I, I that's hard to tell just because it's so early. I mean, I was surprised with uh, with how much he liked Nebraska. It seemed like all those kids that, that went out on that trip uh, really came away with a with a good impression of Nebraska and Mike Riley. Um, so I think it's going to be a battle. You know, he has a football family, so they're not going to, you know, get wide-eyed over one offer and, and kind of jump on a school. They're going to look around and, and uh, take their time. So who knows? I, I just think that, you know, he's a kid that USC should be looking at as like, hey, we have to get him. You know, he's one of the top guys in 2017, but nationally. Yeah, he's not the biggest guy, maybe about 5'10", 5'11", but he's very good in coverage. His back pedal's uh, really good. I I think he can cover a lot of ground when the ball does go up in the air. And and sometimes he kind of baits quarterbacks to throw it his way a little bit just because he might be a little bored. So I think he'll be a guy, if he looks at a Dory Jackson this fall, looks at Iman Marshall this fall, you know, looks to see if Isaiah Langley can project and, and, and really progress there at USC under Keith Hayward. Uh, definitely, obviously, about two years to go until he even signed. So a lot of time for him. Uh, another guy that I wanted to mention, Chris, is Grant Porter. He's a receiver from Upland, California. Uh, both of his parents ran track at USC. Uh, I know it's a loaded crop of receivers out west in, in this 2016 class, but he's one of those guys that's maybe flying under the radar a little bit, and, and he's going out to USC and, and keeping in constant contact with T. Martin. What do you make of Grant Porter's chances of getting a Trojans offer? Yeah, I think it's actually uh, pretty good. I know that there's a lot of receivers. You have people looking at a lot of different guys, but you know, I really like Grant Porter. I think he's underrated. Um, I consider him a four-star guy, even though you know he has, he's a three-star uh, according to Rivals.com, but it's some impressive scholarship offers early. He's, you know, he's actually a speed receiver in my opinion but he's kind of lanky and tall and you know it seems like he another guy that, that might be able to sit in in a couple different ways yeah um, USC is telling him to stay patient which you know they tell a lot of kids but he's willing to do it and to me you get closer to signing day you know maybe they don't need a fifth receiver but maybe he's just the best available guy and ends up with a scholarship offer so I think he's one to watch I'm a little bit surprised that they haven't really gone after. Maybe they're not really out there, but you know, six four, six five kind of guy. I look at what Max Brown does in practice, and he loves throwing up that fifty fifty ball and letting the receiver make a play on it. And he's the kind of quarterback that wants to use big receivers, which you know USC has put out in the last decade, but not in the last few years. And 
I don't really see them going after them. Yeah, a guy I think that would maybe, you know, maybe fit that is Tyler Vaughn's, uh, but even he's maybe you know six two, six three. Yeah. Uh, kind of lanky, so he's not a big guy. He plays uh, baseball as well, so he you know he's he hasn't kind of hit that growth spurt. Uh, and a guy like Javon McKinley, he's also six two, but he's more of a wide out, and he can you know play that fade pass and all that on on the edges. So uh, maybe those are just two guys that I think they're sitting in a great spot with, but obviously uh, you know long way to go. Uh, and, and one guy that I think is very intriguing and, and both Chris and I saw him Saturday. He's committed to the school across town. He's UCLA commit. Michael Pittman of Oaks Christian. Uh, and he's a guy that's around 6'4", 6'5", could probably even get another inch. Uh, and people are looking at him maybe as an outside linebacker, maybe as a safety, maybe as a stand-up rush end, uh, maybe as a Y or a tight end. Hmm. But he's, he's growing into, into something that could be you know, potentially special given his size and his bloodlines. He's the son of former Tampa Bay Bucks uh, running, running back. back, yeah, Mike Pittman. Uh, so, Chris, what do you what do you make of him? You know, wavering a little bit from his UCLA commitment. I know he's gone out to USC various times. He went to a game. He has an offer. Uh, he was at Junior Day. Uh, what do you think the Trojans are going to do with Michael Pittman? Yeah, I think they have a shot at him too. Um, it's it's kind of one of those. They're looking at him as a wide receiver. I know you mentioned all the other positions. But I talked to him about that, and he said he's only talking to him about receiver. And it'll be interesting to see, you know, how the dominoes fall, who they get, if they're still interested in him. But right now, I think they have a good shot. I think that uh, it's a situation where Pittman just committed maybe too early. Maybe thought that that was the you know UCLA was the right school for him, and he's still saying that they're the right school for him. It just the feel that I get from it is that, you know, he's interested in other schools. He's still looking around. He's going to be at a USC spring practice. That's not something that you know, UCLA commits would usually do. So he's uh, you got to keep an eye on him, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if he flipped. But it's also going to be, you know, it's going to be interesting to see who USC gets at receiver, maybe where they want him in the future. So who knows with him right now. U, uh, UCLA actually got an offer over the weekend from Chris Barnes. He's a four-star linebacker from Bakersfield, California. His seven-on-seven teammate, uh, Lokeni Toyaloa, is setting a, uh, an announcement date for March 24th, I believe, or 23rd, uh, so next week. And he has USC in his final seven. Chris, we also spoke to him on Saturday in Fullerton. Uh, it turned out to be kind of a loaded event. Uh, you know, uh, what do you think Toy Lowe is going to do there when he when he announces his commitment? Yeah, I think he's a hard read. Um, you know, early on in his recruitment, UCLA was the favorite, and, and that was pretty well known. Um, I've heard that that's kind of that kind of dwindled. He kind of became more open to other schools. Um, I just he could go to USC. To, I I don't see it happening though. I think USC's last class of linebackers is, is kind of going to stunt uh, what they can do in, in this class. You know the potential they have. They're still going to get their guys. But yeah, and even what they've know, done in this guys, class already with you know a guy like Dalen Hayes and Mike Juarez is already committed, and Isaac Garcia mentioning that. He's being looked at, looked at as an outside linebacker. So even you know, even in this class, they've kind of stocked up on some linebackers. Yeah, and you know, I think it's it's going to affect some of these uh, some of these local kids uh, in this class that they've offered because they've offered a bunch of kids in this class as well. It already affected Chris Barnes. You know, he's gone to UCLA. Caleb Kelly. Uh, yeah, Caleb, yeah, Caleb Kelly didn't yeah. did not even include USC in his top ten. And you know, this is a kid that's 
been to the Coliseum. He was yeah. at the spring game last year. He's he came to a couple games during the season. So uh, yeah, you could yeah. you could see that it's already affecting it, and and I think the trend would likely continue with Lokeni. Um I, I just don't see how he would commit. He, the possibility is there. Obviously, the Trojans are in his top seven. He's always been a big fan. He, he loves Peter Sermon and what he's been able to do there in his in his first year. Um, but, uh, you know, the, if we're kind of going off what happened recently with the guys leaving USC off their list and even his, you know, his teammate Chris Barnes coming to UCLA, uh, that's kind of where I would lean right now. Something I'm hearing a lot of both on the recruiting front and now in the practice field is the branding. When they break after practice, the linebacker group, they say LBU. And the running backs say RBU. And we kept hearing that. And the this. kickers say... <laughs> KU. But, uh, but we kept hearing that. I mean, before signing day, we kept hearing uh, you know these different recruits talking about, like, I want to play at RBU, at LBU, you know, even QBU. Shea Patterson made that mention. Yeah. And so I think it's very smart. I think that they're really trying to, you know, manifest that 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 tradition that they have with the recruits. And so I think at those positions, though, not everyone can play linebacker at USC. And they're going to miss some people because of the people that they got, like you mentioned, in the last class. Yeah, with I mean, with spring practice going on and a lot of USC recruiting news, um, you can kind of you know ignore the fact that USC did not make the NCAA tournament. Uh, what second year for Andy Enfield? So it you had to bring that up. Huh? Seems like a distant memory where they he got was, robbed. He was leading Florida Gulf Coast. They were robbed. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Let's be real here. All right. So for Adam Maya and Chris Swanson, I'm Blair Angulo. Thanks for listening to the Trojansports.com podcast. Thanks for listening to this week's Trojansports.com podcast. Your one-stop shopping for everything Trojan sports. Recaps, previews, the best in recruiting, and some fun and frivolity with the boys. Follow the guys on Twitter at Bangulo, at Chris P. Swanson, and at Adam J. Maya. We'll see you next week on the Trojansports.com podcast.